0: I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down, eating your soul. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Now, your host, Eric Cartier, Senior Pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary Church. Like a tide, it is rising up
1: Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for listening. Hope that you're doing well uh, today. I'm really excited about today's show. I have Steve Self uh, with me who is a great friend and has been willing to uh, produce uh, Crosswalk Colorado Springs, volunteering uh, to do that since day one. It's been a really great partnership and really fun uh, to be able to to get to know you better. And Steve, I'm really sad that you're going to be moving to Alabama. Excited for you. You know right. that God's got a new chapter for uh, you and Beth. And Steve's got a great background in finance and really biblical stewardship that we're going to talk about more. But would love for the listeners to get to know you better, Steve. Uh, what's your background? Uh, how how long you've been married? How, how did you and Beth come to know Christ as your Savior?
2: Absolutely. Uh, and this is a real pleasure being with you today, Eric. Uh, on this side of the mic, and it's been a joy to walk alongside you uh, over the past almost year, which is hard to believe with Crosswalk uh, and that ministry of yours. Um, you know, the most important part is I came to know the Lord as a young man. Was raised in a Christian household in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, grew up in the Methodist Church. And we had youth retreats on a regular basis. And in junior high, middle school, uh, was at a retreat and. Went forward, was during the call, I walked forward and demonstrated what I knew to be the truth, which was Christ had a hold of my life, and um, and that was, like I said, probably in seventh grade, eighth grade, I don't have an exact date, but it was yeah. in middle school. Um, Then fast forward, Beth and I grew up in the same church, and as she will gladly say, uh, she's on record as saying I'm four years older than she is. Okay. So uh, we weren't in the same classes, we didn't yeah. know each other, but our families were in the same church and had been for decades, but didn't know each other. Okay, it was a really large, old line Methodist church, um, but nonetheless, uh, we knew each other. We both came up as Christians, hmm. and when I was in college, uh, we crossed paths, and that was thirty six, almost thirty seven years ago. Wow. Um, so that's been a real blessing, uh, and she's been a real key part to the successes I've had in my career. Uh, as for my, as for my banking career. I was blessed to be in banking for over 34 years, almost okay. 35. I uh, really backed into that as a bank teller. I had graduated, excuse me, I graduated high school, um, actually helped start a fraternity in college and was at the frat house. And a good friend of mine, Scott Thompson, who I grew up playing baseball with, um, walked into frat house one day and he says, hey, I'm quitting the job I've had through high school as a bank teller. And I looked at him and I was like, well, are they going to hire for your replacement? He goes, well, I guess. I said, well, call down there and tell him I'm coming. <laughs> this was back in the day before internet. Yeah. And so I literally jumped in the shower, took a quick shower, and I physically drove down to the branch where he worked. And I got a job that day as a bank teller. Wow, that's awesome. And that was in 1984 or 1980. And uh, I so I backed into banking and it turned out to be a blessing from the Lord and I didn't know it. Fast forward, I worked my way through college as a bank teller. And then I subsequently went right to work on the commercial side of banking right out of college.
3: Okay. Wow.
2: Yeah. God really opened the door. It's amazing. And, and I kind of backed into it when he opened it.
1: That's great. That's, did you enjoy your time in banking?
2: Oh, I, I loved it. Um, it's a different world today than it was back then. It was very relational. Okay. Um, the teller position, you know, back in the day, the teller was the bank to so many people. And I flourished in that. Uh, I enjoyed relationships. I got to know customers as they came every, you know, they had their routines, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays. And I got to know a lot of folks through that, that ultimately I wound up knowing them even as a commercial banker in the town of Birmingham. So,
3: um,
2: but yeah, it's a, and then when I retired from banking, and I hate to use the word retire, but when I left banking eight years ago, it was, it's a very different world. It's. Hmm. Technology-driven. It's not as relational as it used to be. Yeah. And so, you know, it was time for me to move on to another chapter, and God, we felt God close that door, Beth and I did, and yeah, he subsequently opened doors in the faith-based arena, multiple doors, so.
1: That's awesome. Well, I know you're passionate about biblical stewardship. You know, a lot of times we try to separate out our finances from our relationship with God, right. and we look at our relationship with God like a TV dinner, <laughs> where there's all these different compartments. And sure. I love God, but kind of do what I want with my money. But, but God doesn't see it that way. No, it, it all belongs all. to him. That's and, right. In and, the beginning, God yeah. created heaven and earth. So he owns everything. He really does. So how do you see biblical stewardship? How would you define that?
2: Well, just actually, the way I would define it is how I just said, I think, uh, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, mm. period. And when I look at that through my lens, that means he, he owns everything. He created it. He started it from Nothing. And so if I if I take it to the end of a logical mind, I have to believe everything that I do and everything I have is his. Um now have I always been good at that? Absolutely not. I've I've made mistakes. There are times when I you know, I, I guard it like Gollum and is uh you know, is pretty right. um but that's the basis of my foundation and, and I was fortunate to grow up in a household, as I mentioned earlier, that was a strong Christian household uh, my father was an engineer, and he literally had a shoebox with an envelope from the church offering. For those of you mm. who don't know, churches actually used to provide offering envelopes.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, that, too. They were numbered,
2: yeah. and um, my dad had a shoebox, and he had an envelope for all 52 weeks uh, sitting there for the entire year. And so I grew up in a household that understood God was first. That was the first check he wrote every month or every payday. And so I saw that, I saw that uh, example. Routinely, And then my mother, uh, while she didn't work out of the house, household, she was very money-minded. And I actually get a lot of my money-mindedness from my mother. Mm, that's her, awesome. Yeah, my grandparents, who I never met, uh, when they immigrated from Ireland into San Francisco, they actually owned a couple of hotels. Mm. And my mother grew up working in a hotel for her parents. And she had a very keen money-mindedness. And I think she could have been very successful in business had she ever had the opportunity. Mm. So,
1: I think that's really powerful when we see it modeled. Like no doubt, I grew up in a home similar, you know, where where my dad was an engineer as well, and really was involved in the local church. But I saw that example of him giving, you know, and him right. writing out his tithe check yep. and and putting it in uh, the offering, and him sharing with us the importance of giving our first fruits on un, unto uh, the Lord and. It really makes a huge difference when you see giving and you see good management, good stewardship.
2: Yeah, I would agree. It's um, my father was very; he was an electrical engineer, so he's very metered out in how he did things.
1: Pretty meticulous, um,
2: very meticulous. Um, but as I've grown older and as I've matured, I've come to understand uh, stewardship is not only my what I have monetarily, but it's also my time and my mm, gifts and my good. talents. And so while you know I, I, it doesn't matter to me if you give 10% or if you give 50% mm-hmm. what matters to me and in our household is Beth and I try to allow enough room to operate for our time and our giftings to be used in the kingdom mm. and so to me stewardship isn't just about the green back of the dollar sign it's about yeah. everything that you have and uh, so we you know we've been youth counselors back in the day our, we raised our children with us uh, working in youth uh, ministry, um, we've been—I've always been very active administratively, either on the boards or the, the HR committees, or helping like with you on crosswalk. Yeah, those are ways that I've been called with mm-hmm. a capital C. Yeah, to serve, and I'm using something God's given me, uh, hopefully to the best that I can. But that's to me—that's stewardship.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Steve. <clears throat> I think sometimes. We just reduce it down to to money and giving tithes and offerings in these different areas where God calls us to give, but he also wants us to invest time, invest talents that he's given to us, and there's a lot of reward that comes from investing time and talents that belong to the Lord into the the kingdom you know, no, G- I would agree and yeah. the kingdom
2: and the kingdom is like I said earlier, everything yeah so that's investing in people. Investing in the body, whether right. it's a church or a parachurch ministry um, like Life Network or others.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, you're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. I've got Steve Self uh, with me who produces Crosswalk and a background in finance. We're going to be talking about biblical finance right after the break. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Again, you're listening to Crosswalk 100.7, The Word.
0: Crosswalk Colorado Springs on one hundred point seven. The word.
1: Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Just want to remind you that today's show does turn into a podcast. If you go to Crosswalk Colorado Springs, anywhere that you find your podcast, any platforms, you'll find our program. Today, we're talking about biblical finance and biblical uh, stewardship. It seems like a a topic that probably doesn't get talked about enough. And I've got Steve Self uh, with me, who's a close friend and also has produced uh, Crosswalk Colorado Springs with a background in uh, finance. So one thing I've observed in my heart and in other people's lives as well is it's easy to be at one extreme at the other, where you're kind of greedy and maybe kind of hoarding money. And then to the other side where it's like not paying attention to money at all. And sometimes we use like Christian phrases to justify that, you know, like God's going to provide. And of course, graciously he is, but he does also call us to be managers and be good stewards of what he's provided. So maybe how have you observed some of the extremes and then also... How do you walk in the balance of those two?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great question as I was preparing for our conversation, I was I was really challenging my memory and thinking back over my career and life as a as a financial guy, as a banker. Um and you know it's something that I was reminded of this morning actually in my quiet time before we got together. I've had a lot of idols over the years. Mm. And those idols have been bonus checks those idols have been stock options those those idols have been fancy houses they've been fancy cars and so i i staged my answer in this question with that as the as the prologue that um i think it's very easy for the flesh to take over on things regarding stewardship and money yeah uh, and and i've had that happen many times However, I think what I've been blessed with is that balance and that that kind of uh, north star element mm. of knowing okay, I've I, and i have to remind myself okay, this is God's. Right. Uh, and Beth has done a wonderful job <clears throat> as my spouse and as the mother of my children over our life. You know, when times are really good, we we lived like they're really good, but there are times, you know, it's it's not always roses and sunshine and there are right. seasons where you don't have Maybe as much as you'd like to have, or what you think you'd like to have, or um, and Beth has always been really good about reminding me and reminding us. Okay, you know what? This is a season that that we need to just kind of pull back. And and again, we've we've been equally yoked in this regard. And so, it, when we pull back, we pull back together. When we when we hit the throttle, we've hit the throttle together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with regard to this notion. Um. Yeah, there are seasons of feast and famine, and right. you know. And here we are in uh, end of July twenty two. The feds are about to make an announcement today. Yeah. on rates going up, most likely. Uh, mm-hmm. At least that's what everything seems to be pointing towards. Um, we're entering a season now that may feel like a desperate season for folks. We were talking. You and mm-hmm. I were talking about this at the radio station yesterday. You know, folks are having to make decision on how often they buy groceries. What do they buy? Um, and while Beth and I are blessed. To not have that conversation, we are having conversations around, okay, how are we spending our money? Yeah. Are we, are we placing our money in the right places? Are we doing the right things with our money? Are we, um, you know, we have adult children that have families. You know, are we demonstrating the right way to act in the season? Because my children, 32 and 30 years of age, they haven't lived through a cycle of inflation and a cycle of without. Which right. which we could very well be entering.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. So it's a really long answer to a short question, but I think it's again back to everything we have, including time, is God's.
3: Yeah.
2: And so time is you know time is continuous and time ebbs and flows. So mm-hmm. there are times or seasons such as these where it requires me to lean into God and what I understand out of His Word. What am I called to do? Um, And there are other times where things may be really prosperous. Well, the Bible is filled with stories of prosperity. Yeah. And God's expectation for how people manage that prosperity and not hoard that prosperity and how to share that prosperity. So, again, that's for for Beth and I. It's always been about that. What's the word say? Um, Mm -hmm. And again, we're not perfect in that regard. There are a lot of times I make a fleshly decision. Um, But then the Holy Spirit reminds me, for lack of a better word, rebukes me, reminds me, okay, what's the Word say about this? Have I lived through this before? And in in the case of Beth and I, being married 36 years, we've gone through these cycles before. So this isn't anything, you know, as Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Um, So there is nothing truly under the sun that's new. So we're about to embark on a season we've lived through before as a couple. We live through as individuals, as believers. And so we're being called now to think about have we done that before and how do we get prepared for it now?
1: Yeah. You know, one thing that I love uh, about finances and money is it's a really clear window to our souls. Very much so. You know, so. When we talk about idols. Interestingly enough, I was reading my devotions this morning, Jeremiah, with idols as, mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, so if we're in that place of greed, it probably identifies that money's too important in our right. lives, you know, and then if we're in a place where we just don't want to think about it, we don't want to manage it, we don't want to really think about living within our means, then that reveals something else about our character, maybe that there's a lack of discipline there uh, to, to to pay attention. Uh, well, you
2: just said something there, and I think that's the key. Um, it's really easy, <clears throat> it's very easy not to live in your means if you pay no attention to it. Right. And what I noticed in my career and what I noticed today, so many people for lack of a better word have checked out on money. Yeah. They've checked out on um paying attention. And again, it, for me, it's a sl- my weak spot is I can become driven by the study of money and things. I'm a financially minded person. So I have to yeah. be mindful of that. Um, I still look at the stock market every day. My major in college was investment management. So there's some things that God pre-wired me to, but I have to be very, very careful not to let that just absorb every ounce of my time. I've seen uh, over my life, though, as an adult and as a professional, so many people just don't pay attention. How many people that are listening today haven't balanced their checkbook? Now, that right. sounds really small. sounds very yeah. trivial, well, it's important to do that because if I truly believe that everything I have is God's, mm-hmm. how many stories are there in the Bible where somebody in a, par- in a parable had to make an accounting of what right. they were given, right? Yeah. Whether it's the parable of the seeds or others. Um, so I feel like I've, when I, this sounds weird to some people probably, when I balance my checkbook to the penny every single month, that's a way for me to honor what right. God's given me.
1: Yeah, you're honoring the Lord. Yeah, right.
2: And some people may think I'm a nut saying that, but I can become that detailed about it. Um so I think for me as a Christian, the balance is understanding, okay, I need to be aware, but I don't let it, I don't need to let it become all consuming. Right. That's the balance.
1: That's the balance. And, and, the, yeah. and the
2: balance is being aware, um and, and if that's not my strength, ask the Lord, you know, I pray for wisdom and discernment every day. Yeah that's that's a constant I've done ever since I was saved. Yeah. It, well, actually I really started that at age 18, wisdom and discernment. Yeah. I ask for that every single day.
3: Yeah. And awesome um, so prayer. so
2: I would encourage listeners that if if money isn't your thing, if it scares you, it can be very intimidating and I yeah. and I respect that. Um ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Uh, yeah. Ask ask the Great. Holy Spirit to give you um enough knowledge to be aware. Um because then that that enlightenment or that awareness will help you start having control of it, maybe a little bit better.
1: When we come back to the break, maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, budgeting. Because I think it's like, well, what do I do? I don't know what to do. How do I make a a budget? But this is a fascinating conversation as we really look at biblical stewardship. Steve Self uh, is with me, who produces Crosswalk and also has a background in uh, finance. You'll want to stay with us when we come back from the break because we're going to talk about some uh, practical tools. Again, this is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Thanks so much uh, for listening and hanging in there uh, with us. We're going to head to a break, and we'll be right back in just a few moments.
0: This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word.
1: Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thanks so much uh, for joining me. Thanks for listening. Hope that you're doing well. Uh, We're talking about a topic that sometimes is not so fun to to think about, but so important. And it's biblical stewardship and money and finance. Uh, We left off uh, talking about budgeting. If you're at this place of like, I know I need to pay attention to what God has provided. It belongs to him. Want to do it for God's glory. How do you put together a budget? I know there's some really great online tools uh, right. that help with that as well. If if you're like, I want to do this on <clears throat> online, but I know from my wife and I, uh, not only having a budget, but revisiting it quarterly Absolutely. is is really uh, important, and it's actually kind of bonding in our marriage because, like you mentioned, we're praying, we're making decisions together, we're making adjustments together. It really makes us feel united and feel like a, like a team. But I know this may sound basic, but lay out just a, a simple budget. Well, what does that mean for someone to put together a budget?
2: Yeah, um, so even though I was on the commercial side of Banker, the large corporate business, um, I still worked with individual business owners. And over the years, back to what we talked about in the earlier segment, I've, I've always volunteered my time to help people. Go through personal planning and budgeting and uh, state planning, things of that nature. Um, again, like as we said in the last segment, money matters can become confusing to some people. They can be intimidating. The easiest thing to start doing, I think, for people, you have to start somewhere. The easiest thing is for thirty days, literally, keep every receipt for something you spend money for, That's even a even if it's even if it's a, it's if it's a Starbucks, yeah, uh, for three dollars and fifty cents or. I'm going to run into the gas station. Always get your seat. Don't do anything with them, but just for 30 days, throw them in an envelope. Yeah. And at the end of that 30 days, get a piece of paper. Everything I'm going to talk about is non-technology. And start kind of sorting your receipts
1: based on categories. You'll see how much you spent at Chick-fil-A. Exactly right. No,
2: exactly. And um, so that's the origin point, and that's very simple to do. Everybody can do that. There's no barrier to that. The only barrier to doing that is yourself, either out of laziness mm-hmm. or forgetfulness, which is fine. And again, if if you don't grab every single receipt, that's fine. Guess what? You'll still survive. Yeah. Um. So I would start there and and do that for a month. And my I would bet a dollar and a donut that that will spark something in you. You'll go, wow! I didn't realize I spent that much on whatever it is. Yeah. Um. Or I didn't realize every time I buy gas, I go in and I buy. A Coke and a bag of chips and oh by the way, right here's a news flash. Convenience stores don't make money on gas. They make money on people that buy Cokes and bags of chips.
1: Really? Is that, that true? That's true. It okay. is.
2: Swear to swear to goodness that's what the the profit margin is everything inside the store. Okay. Of a convenience store. So if you just pay at the pump, you're much better off. Or if you are paying cash, go in and take the exact amount of cash and pay for it. Yeah. Um but I digress. Um so Beth and I very fortunately and again we're we're like-minded. We both know, and, and knock a wood, we, we don't have debt, but we're, we've are we always known, each other has known what our payments were. Like we have life insurance. Yeah. We both know how much life insurance payments are. We know when we've had car payments what our car payment is. So it's very important for the partners to know that. Both know. Both know. Yeah. Um, and again, no secrets. That's how right. we started our marriage and that's how we'll end, um, yeah. God willing. Um, but probably 30 years ago, we went through um, Dave Ramsey's financial piece.
1: Yeah, so good. They, yeah. And
2: there are and other, you know, there's Ron Blue.
1: There's several other Christian. We've used Dave Ramsey's yeah. stuff too. So yeah. Beth
2: and I actually went through Dave Ramsey. I still have the original book with hmm. all my original notes. We've even laughed. We're like, man, can you believe we lived off of this little bit of money? You know.
1: Back then, yeah.
2: I mean, I got out of college. I was making $16,000 and I thought I was wealthy. But anyway, um, so we went through that process and... Up until recently, we still used cash in the envelopes.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And and if you don't know what it's like to use cash, it's very liberating. And our kids to this day, again, age 32 and 30, when they were children, we used the cash envelope system. And so the kids would say, hey, we want to go see, can we go see a movie or can we go out tonight and one, either Beth or I would say, well, let's see what's in the envelopes. And they would go, oh, we hate the envelopes. <laughs> and if there was cash in the envelope, we would have a conversation with the kids. Okay, if we do this now, we can't do right. something else. And so to this day, our kids give us a grief about using envelopes. But I'm proud to say each of my children has used the envelope system, and they never went through financial peace. Yeah. Um But all that to say... One of the first steps that Dave Ramsey and other experts suggest is take an accounting of what you spend. Yes. What are your receipts? What are you spending? And then information's power. Knowledge is power. Then when I start seeing, okay, for this month I spent this much, well, maybe I won't spend as much next month. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to keep my receipts next month, right? Yeah. Well, so before you know it, you do that two or three months. So, well, guess what? You've just created a quarter's worth of a budget. Yep. And even if you're just doing it on a napkin, if you're just writing it down, and even if all you're only doing is catching the big pieces, okay, I make, I get this much as a check or income or this much from my Social Security or whatever, whatever yeah. your source is, and then I have these categories. I buy fuel. So, yeah. like, Mike- my, my, Here's my
1: rent. Here's my yeah. mortgage. Yeah, here's yeah, my exactly. utilities.
2: My, my envelope system has been simple over the years. It's been fuel- Haircuts and nail jobs that Beth has. I yeah. don't have much you don't hair get to get your nails done. No, but <laughs> I, and I don't have much hair to cut, so mine's pretty cheap. Um, laundry back when I used to have my shirts laundered in the, at the bank. Yeah, um, things of that nature. But as things would change, we'd change envelopes change envelope. and we knew what we spent. So yeah,
1: you can either do that with physical envelopes. We actually use the envelope system as well, Amber and I. Or you can do that and have envelopes online. Uh, exactly, there it, are systems
2: that do that. And, yeah. and then as a backup for me. I created a, an Excel spreadsheet, right? Probably twenty-five years ago. I still have that same spreadsheet, yep. and it's morphed over time. Yep. But I have literally every single dollar that I have coming in each month. It's allocated to something, and now it may be allocated to uh, a car payment, or maybe allocated to savings, or maybe allocated to things that I charge on my credit card each month, like you know utilities and things of that nature. But every single dollar is allocated to something. And that something may be savings. It may be right. retirement. It may be debt retirement. Um, but then that's a spreadsheet I can go back and I can look year to year. And we revisit it at a minimum once a year. But then, really, probably two or three times a year, we really look at it and go, well, case in point, we're about to move. Yeah. I'm selling my house. I've had taxes already under contract. And we'll be in a we'll be in a position for some period of time where we won't have a mortgage payment because we're going to be staying with our daughter and son in law in Alabama, and that candidly will be one of the more challenging periods because it's all just free money.
1: Right. What do you do with that? Yeah. So
2: we'll we've already started talking about how disciplined we need to be with that money coming out of our house and what we do within how we spend it in the months ahead.
1: Yeah, that's great. One of the things that Amber and I really enjoy about budgeting is. It's a lot of work on the upfront side, but you've already made the decision beforehand. Exactly. So like you look at what God's provided, do your tithes first and, and your expenses, and then you go, Okay, we've got this much money per month for entertainment, you know, where we can yeah. go out to eat or take the kids to do, do something fun. And well that's already decided. That money's already set aside. Right. And so that already dictates <clears throat> what you can or can't do. Yeah, your
2: emotions don't make the decision for you. Yeah. Which is usually when your emotions make the decision or that little voice in your head makes a decision. It's not always a good decision. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I know there's a lot of great resources out there, but I think both of us have benefited from Dave Ramsey's stuff. And right. I would encourage people to to go look it up, Google Dave Ramsey. Right. You'll find some great tools there. I like that he's put it in baby steps. You know, exactly. He's
2: put in baby steps and he has it he has it in a way where even if you don't go through the class or the course,
1: yeah. He,
2: his his uh, website has ample tools yes. to help you at least get started on the process. And again, it's just take that first step.
1: Yeah. When we come back from the break, I, I want to tackle a little bit of, of giving, talking about why the giving of time and money is so important, why we give our first fruits uh, unto uh, the Lord. Again, this is Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Uh, as you're catching today's show, just be reminded it does turn into a podcast. You can find it at Crosswalk Colorado Springs, anywhere, any platform that you listen to uh, podcasts. We're blessed to be on the air Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays from 5 to 6, so make sure to catch us. Stay with us. We're going to be right back after the break on 100.7 The
2: Word.
1: Crosswalk Colorado Springs on
0: 100.7 The Word. Good God Almighty.
1: Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thanks so much uh, for joining me and listening to today's program. We're talking about an important topic of biblical stewardship, of finance. I'm with Steve Self, a good friend of mine, produces Crosswalk, but also has a a great background in finance. Let's tackle for just a minute uh, how important giving is. You know, the Bible talks about tithes and offerings, our first fruits. Uh, Malachi has this amazing promise. If we Honor God. God says, "Test me with this, right. and and I, I will I will bless you." But yet, especially as as people do start to pay attention to their finances, they go, "Man, writing this tithe check to the local church, man, just so hard to do." But I've sure seen in my life when I honor God in tithes and offerings, He really has uh, been been faithful. Right. But why do you think God mm-hmm. calls us to to tithe to to give that first fruits to the Lord?
2: Well, I, for me personally, as a believer, um, I think it's a demonstration of my faith in God. Right. Uh, and so when he calls me to do something, I think, and I, and I was very purposeful not using the word, he's not testing me, but it's an opportunity for me to demonstrate my faith. Just right. like Abraham, right? Yeah. He, Abraham didn't go through with what he thought he was going to have to do, which was to plunge a knife into his son. but it was the mere fact he was willing to demonstrate his faith. That was the key. And so I think when, when I'm called to give or I have opportunities to give, I've always looked at giving as an opportunity. And they show up in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's, you know, somebody has a need. Uh, and Beth and I have been fortunate over the years to bless folks with individual needs, whether it's uh, somebody had i I'm, I'm, – I'm, I'm thinking of a friend right now that uh, the wife is diabetic, and she had a major issue where she had no insurance temporarily. Yeah. Wow, And Beth and I were able to walk alongside that very young couple with small children Hmm. and basically pay for her medicine for a period. Yeah, Um, that's a giving opportunity. Right. That's not a that's not Steve and Beth doing something different other than we're sharing what we've been given. Right. Um, You know, we've one of the things I've loved to do. And I mentioned earlier, Beth and I were youth counselors for years. Um, I love to sponsor youth. When they go to retreats, yeah, and we'd love to do that anonymously mm-hmm. um, because that's an opportunity for us to share fruits that we've been given, but in that case, with a youth going to a retreat uh, how how do I know what the Holy Spirit is going to do with that with that youth or that child? I mean, they may bless them or their family beyond measure that I never get to see, right. which is i mean I, I to me if i didn't when I, when I when we have that feeling of you know what we should give to this. Mm-hmm. I think there's a moment there where you either honor what God's asking you, or you dishonor what God's asking, right. and that can be really harsh to some people. Yeah, but and and what we found, giving is actually fun.
3: It is giving
2: yeah. is really fun. Um, in in our life of 36 years together, we have had many seasons where we've run out of money before we've run out of month.
3: Hmm. Yeah,
2: and we've yep. gotten sick of peanut butter and banana sandwiches.
1: Right, beans and rice. Uh, we've we've done that. We've yeah. been there.
2: Um, but what we realize is when we get through that season, we still, you know, back in the day when we, early on in my marriage and early on in my faith, I was meticulous 10%. It's got to be 10%. It's got to be 10%. But it's amazing when those months where we ran out of money with two months, with two weeks left or 10 days left, we looked back on those. We, how do we pay those bills? And, or we'd get a check in the mail or we'd get something, you know, somebody would bless us. And I think those are all examples of God's God's economy.
3: Yes, not yeah. my
2: economy, but it's God's economy. Um, and so I, I, some people like to say I pay it forward. That's not a biblical concept to me. I right. don't see that in the Bible anywhere. And yeah. if, I, if I've missed it, please tell me. Yeah. But um, but it's a similar concept in the sense that if God's blessed me with it, I can't take it with me. Right. What's the old saying? There's no yeah. U-hauls behind hearses, right? Yeah. Um, so I can't take it with me. I need to be smart about it while I'm here, but I also need to be, I need to be prayerful and I need to think, how do I spend this dollar? Right. Um, and, you know, God's, God's economy has such a multiplier effect.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, think about it. I mean, I, I can, a dollar given into this, into the Holy kingdom is, is limitless. Right. Whereas a dollar, I invest, if I, if I use $2 and buy a lottery ticket, which I don't, but if I, Okay, well, that's $2 right? with poor odds and nothing comes of it. Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm being a good steward with it.
3: So. Yeah.
1: Well, Steve, in the last mm-hmm. few minutes of uh, the show, I know uh, Kingdom Impact is really important to you. It's something that you and Beth uh, pray through. So, what was that like, you know, stepping away from the bank and carving out more time to invest in the kingdom?
2: Yeah, that's it's interesting. We've had an opportunity to share it with folks over the years. Um, so, roughly nine years ago, uh, and really, 11 years ago, I started having this kind of pulling on my mind and my heart that I was tired of banking. I was through with banking. Banking was no longer, and it wasn't a, the joy it used to be. And so Beth and I talked a lot about it, and for two years, I prayed about it. Um, I studied a book of uh, Ecclesiastes uh, at the request or the suggestion of a brother. Hmm. And by the way, Ecclesiastes is a wonderful book to study when you're contemplating what's life about. Yeah. Because it's the diary. They, the experts say it's a diary of Solomon, and it's a phenomenal book of study. Um, and I also read a book by a Christian businessman, a uh, halftime moving from success to significance. Hmm. And the whole notion in that two-year period was praying. Okay, God, uh, and I was you know I was a regional president of a bank, and I was a guy that started the bank here. And so you can't just I can't I couldn't honor the bank by just leaving. So I wanted to do it well. I wanted to finish well. I wanted to represent my God in a positive way. Yeah. So we prayed about it and intently planned for two years and finally pulled the trigger. And it was with the pure intention of doing something in the kingdom. I had no idea what that meant. Hmm. And I literally stepped off the boat.
1: <laughs> had to it, be a weird feeling.
2: It was very weird for me. And I had to keep my eyes fixed on God because I stepped literally out of the boat as the, you know, as the Bible story goes. It, I look back now, that nine years has flashed by very quickly. I had the blessing of uh, being an administrator for a local congregation for three years. I was able to be the CFO of a local Christian homeless mission for almost three years. Yeah. Those were things I didn't seek. They were, yeah. they. were It was amazing how those became available. And then I remember when I came down and talked to you 15 months ago about I've got time, I want to be hands and feet in the ministry, and yeah. here we are almost a, a year later, and I've been producing your show. So... Again, I use that as an example, hmm. if if you pray for it, be ready. And if you're truly open to it, God will... I mean, I had zero experience in radio. Yeah. I had, I had zero experience as being a CFO or a church right. administrator. Yeah. But God was faithful and honored me stepping away from banking to do that. And Beth and I have been blessed beyond measure, not monetarily, but we have just been blessed with relationships and things we've seen and things I would have missed out on if I'd stayed at the bank.
1: Yeah really does remind me of what Jesus said where it's more blessed to give than to receive you know as we kind of sum up biblical stewardship it all belongs to the lord right so the money time the house the car right it, it, your physical health like it it's all belongs to the lord and we just get get to steward it and right. and really be able to make those those kingdom investments and and there may be some that are, are saying, hey, I, I can't step step away from my job and, and go into quote-unquote kingdom work. But even seeing their secular job as kingdom work, oh, I, I know you, you saw your banking career that oh, I, way.
2: I used it. That was very fertile ground. Yeah. Um, my children have used their workforces and their sports arenas as, uh, as a uh, field of witness. So... Everywhere you are, you can be a witness. Yeah. Um, and the return is magnificent.
1: Yeah. Well, Steve, I want to thank you so much for partnering with me with the show. Been a pleasure. I could not have done it without you and got this far. You really got the show uh, kicked off. And really sad to see uh, you and Beth go to Alabama, but we know we're going to stay in touch and know that God has uh, great things for you. So thanks for your investment in this show. Uh, it's awesome. been a
2: blessing. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I can uh, stream 100.7 The Word. And listen to it, and I can watch you on TV uh, through my app on, on the TV. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So once again, this is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. We've been talking about biblical finance today with Steve Self. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Hope you have a great evening in the Lord. Remember that the Lord's with you, that He loves you. Uh, we'll be with you Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays from 5 to 6. Have a great evening. Bye-bye. The treasures if fate are never enough. Then you came
3: along.
0: Three.